Welcome to RBC's Markets in Motion podcast, recorded August 7th, 2023. I'm Lori Calvacina, Head of U.S. Equity Strategy at RBC Capital Markets. Please listen to the end of this podcast for important disclaimers. Today in the podcast, an updated overview on our market call. Three big things you need to know. First, we've tweaked our S&P 500 earnings forecast up modestly by $1 to $2 to $220 for 2023 and $229 for 2024, while leaving our year-end 2023 price target for the S&P 500 of $4,250 unchanged. While one of our models highlights potential upside to 4800 and we think the gains in the index so far in 2023 have been deserved, we have become concerned the rally in the S&P is due for a pause in the months ahead. Second, we continue to see tactical challenges for the growth trade, though we continue to like growth over value longer term. And third, small caps continue to look more appealing on our work overall than large caps, and we remain comfortable adding exposure there despite near-term risks to market direction broadly that we see. If you'd like to hear more, here's another five minutes. While you're waiting, a quick reminder that you can subscribe to this podcast on Apple and Spotify. Now the details. Let's start with takeaway number one. We've tweaked our S&P 500 EPS forecast up modestly by $1 to $2 for 2020 for 2023 and to $229 for 2024, while leaving our year-end 2023 S&P 500 price target of $42.50 unchanged. On earnings, our forecasts are still in line with consensus for 2023 and below consensus for 2024. The latter is tracking at $245. On our price target, $42.50 remains the average of the six models we've been using. While one of our price target models, our earnings and valuation test, highlights potential upside to 4800 and we think gains in the S&P 500 so far in 2023 have been absolutely deserved, we have become concerned that the rally in the index is due to pause in the months ahead for two main reasons. First, three of our target models are deteriorating. That includes both of our cross-asset models, which examine the appeal of stocks versus bonds. This is important because these were improving in May when we upped our target from 4100 to 4250 Our sentiment model is also eroding. AAII net bullishness was sending a strong buy signal to start the year and post the banking crisis, but came in last week one standard deviation above its long-term average. The S&P has historically only seen 5% gains over the next 12 months after hitting that kind of level. The second big concern is seasonality. Over the last five years, the stock market has tended to hit a rough patch in August or September and sometimes even October. We may ultimately need to pull our 2023 target up a bit, but we don't think now is the right time to do so. We view our price target as an assessment of not just where the index will be at the end of the year, but as a signaling mechanism for how we feel about the stock market. And as we've been saying for the past month or so, things just feel a bit murkier to us. Moving on to takeaway number two. We continue to see tactical challenges for the growth trade, though we continue to like growth over value longer term. Tactical challenges we see for growth include first, growth hasn't been quite as dominant from an earnings sentiment perspective lately. The rate of upward revision still favors growth over value, but the gap is closing. Second, growth positioning continues to look stretched. We see this pretty clearly on the weekly CFTC data for asset manager positioning and NASDAQ 100 futures. Third, growth still looks extremely expensive relative to value. There's been some improvement here, but growth is still close to the highs of the past few years relative to value on a forward PE. And growth inflows have also turned to outflows, while outflows from value are stabilizing. This reverses trends that we saw in the second quarter. Longer-term growth should bounce back given the expectation that economic growth will stay below 2% over the next few years. 
Growth stocks typically outperform when GDP is running below trend or when economic growth is scarce. But for now, there are tactical challenges that the growth trade's got to work through. We'll wrap up with takeaway number three. Small caps continue to look more appealing on our work overall than large caps, and we're comfortable still adding exposure here despite near-term risks to market direction broadly. Our reasons for liking small caps better include first, balance sheet fears seem overblown. Just like large cap companies, small caps have shifted towards longer-term debt, have low interest expense relative to sales, and are still around historical lows on their effective interest rate. Just 9% of companies in the Russell 2000 have weighted average debt in the zero to two-year range as well. Second, Fed cuts are expected to come in 2024. That's usually a positive catalyst for small caps. Third, large caps' advantage on earnings sentiment is eroding. Small caps have started to close the gap with large caps on the rate of upward revisions, a data point that had previously been favoring large caps very strongly. Fourth, investor re-engagement with small caps still seems early innings to us. CFT data on asset manager positioning for Russell 2000 contracts is still well below its 2018, 2019, 2020, and early 2021 peaks. Fifth, small caps still look attractively valued, especially in regards to large caps. And sixth, small cap money flows are improving, while large cap money flows are softening. Small cap blend and value funds in particular are driving the improvement. All that being said, we are mindful that small caps tend to underperform when GDP growth is below trend, as expected to be the case for the next few years. The prospect of a sluggish economic recovery may ultimately cut any small cap outperformance trade short. That will keep us vigilant for the appropriate time to exit our small cap overweight, but doesn't reduce our appetite to participate in the catch-up trade for now. That's all for now. Thanks for listening, and be sure to reach out to your RBC representative with any questions. This content is based on information available at the time it was recorded and is for informational purposes only. It is not an offer to buy or sell or a solicitation, and no recommendations are implied. It is outside the scope of this communication to consider whether it is suitable for you and your financial objectives.